welcome to Beauty Island, the award-nominated beauty podcast that celebrates life and lipstick. I am your host, beauty journalist, Brittany Stewart. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and ask them about the eight beauty products that have a special memory or meaning for them. The ones they take to a desert island or beauty island that I am sending them off to. Maybe it's the first beauty product they ever bought, the one that gives them their signature look, or the perfume that instantly sparks a memory of a special place or person. Along the way, we find out more about their life, career, and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today. My usual disclaimer, in these strange and unprecedented times, this interview was recorded before Corona hit, so I hope you can enjoy it as an escape and adventure into something a little lighter, much needed, I would say. Today, my guest is Paula Joy, journalist, content creator, founder of thejoy.com and former editor of some of Australia's top magazines working across Clio, Madison, Mode and Shop Till You Drop and in fact launching Madison and Shop Till You Drop. She is brilliant, driven and in a true reflection of her name, utterly joyful. I caught up with Paula in Sydney to talk about working in the halcyon years of magazines after getting her start at Vogue the musical champions that mark the chapters of her life, the shift of power from magazines to social media and the implications of that, particularly bringing up teenage daughters, and among other fantastic recommendations, her go-to face potion for glowing skin and the best mascara for short lashes. It will also challenge you to look at bumper stickers in a completely new way, a little bit of a teaser, but you will have to listen to the end to make full sense of that, but I promise you it's worth it. As always, if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, rate five stars and write a review. And as you're listening, share a screenshot on your Instagram story and tag me at Beauty Island Podcast so I can see and share. If you need some more Beauty Escape, don't forget you can sign up to my beauty newsletter, It's a Beauty, or find me on Instagram at Brittany Beauty BTS. All those links are in the show notes. Now over to Paula. Enjoy. Paula, welcome to Beauty Island. Oh, it's so balmy and wonderfully warm and tropical here. Can you remember your first beauty memory, beauty-related memory? I can, I can. It's the smell of, um, and this is really, this is really aging me, this is dating me, the smell of Pond's cold cream. It's such a specific smell It's and it's fragrance-free, oddly, but it's got a, a sort of that beautiful nothing smell and then it's the texture of it it's literally cold so I remember as as a young girl putting my hands in that jar and the jar was made of of glass I believe uh, colored glass and then uh, putting my hands in it and it was cold and and the smell of it was just this well I guess it was the smell of my mother and the smell of my grandmother so it was it was um it's always holds a special place in my memory and I love that you said cold creams is not really a category that we see much now, but you still maintain that they are such a great cleanser. Oh, brilliant for makeup removal. And, and half of it is because they're hypoallergenic. They're really fantastic for uh, sensitive skin. And you, know, you try that cold cream, you get addicted to the <laughs> feeling of it. That, that anything cold on your face is great, right? We love a hot flannel and we love anything cold. I'll have to give that one a try. Now... You have two sisters, I believe. I have two sisters, two sisters. yes, and a brother. We can't forget my and brother. And a brother, yes. forget him. And you, did you grow up in Sydney? What was kind of 
teenage and young Paul are like? I grew up in America, in Boston, for my early years. And uh, so I can buy your car. And uh, then I moved moved back here, you know, as, as a young teenager. And uh, so I guess I, cla- I had a classic Australian 80s life um, that it was, a, you know, Australia was a wonderful place to live then. We came home when the streetlights went on and, you know, there were no phones. We made mixtapes. All the things that are back now was my life. The clothes, the fragrances, people trying to do mixtapes. so cute. I mean, Walkman CDs, John Hughes movies, The Breakfast, that, I was that. You were living that. Now, the first beauty product you remember owning was the Bourgeois Eyeliner in Blue. And I found this really interesting that you said you still like it because so many people I talk to, they have fond memories of those early products but wouldn't dream of wearing it today. Oh, no, that product slaps. It is still <laughs> an all-time awesome beauty buy so it's electric blue because it was the 80s uh, and they still make it and it's an iridescent perfect color of the Australian sky blue and you honestly blue eyeliner on blue eyes is generally a no-no but this can go on any any eye shade and it's just it's just it's happiness And when you look at your relationship to beauty, kind of starting with those early years and and looking at where you are now, has it always been a positive one or how would you describe your relationship to beauty? Um, That is a really good question Um, and I will try and answer it succinctly. I love makeup and I love transformation and yet I don't wear much of it. So I'm, I'm oddly natural for someone that is so into it and genuinely into it. You know, I became a beauty editor at 23, 22, 23 for Clio, which was a, just the dream job. But I didn't know one end of a mascara wand from another. You know, I'd left law school to become a journalist, much to everyone's sort of like, what? But so I put the same, the, I am a nerd, so I put the same nerdiness into my fascination for beauty and it sort of just became a lifelong passion, not just the transformation of makeup, but the science and the skincare and, and how to make a fragrance. Yeah, I've always, I've always had a positive experience with beauty certainly not with self-confidence that's different I think that sits side by side I think women are lucky that we have lipstick and that we have fragrance for those days that we don't feel great about ourselves because I do think that it can the instant gratification of the beauty family is is a really lucky thing for women that men don't access necessarily but I haven't I haven't always you know had a completely robust self-confidence or body confidence but when it comes to beauty, yes, I, you know, it's like, it's like being Alice in Wonderland, you know? It's a Lewis poem, isn't it? Yes, Lewis Carroll, yeah. Yeah, I think so. When we look at the products that defined your teens and 20s, you've got black eyeliner when you were listening to The Cure and The Smiths, hairspray when you moved on to Duran Duran, Go-Go's and Bon Jovi. And what was really interesting is that music seems to be, and I wonder if it still is, very defining for you throughout your life, marking those chapters. Oh, thousand percent there is a video clip going on all day every day there is a soundtrack to my life when I'm running if anybody has seen me running they'll know they've seen it I will be dancing when I'm running or I will be reenacting a whole film clip when I'm running 
music is everything to me. Lyrics are everything to me. I my yes, every single moment in my life I can track back to a song. Genuinely. And who would you say is soundtracking the current chapter of your life, if you've decided? Well, there has been a hell of a lot of Taylor Swift. <laughs> great. <laughs> who I came to late, who I just adore and think is, she's such a great lyricist. It's the lyric. She's a, she's a you know, she is a, a definite Dylan in the making who has absolutely always soundtracked my life. James Taylor, Joni Mitchell have soundtracked my life. Fleetwood Mac. Robert Smith from The Cure, uh, Morrissey from The Smiths. I saw New Order this week. They Joy Division. I mean, I did Bon Jovi, Bono, Madonna. Who've I left out? You've got a, a great roll call there going. Yeah, I mean, I can go on. You have obviously held top positions at Clio, Shop Till You Drop. Madison, Cosmo, as well as newspapers as well. But rewinding back to the start, how did you get your foot in the industry? You mentioned you were initially studying law before you changed to journalism. Yes. So I left school, wanted to be a high court judge, got to university and went, oops, uh, don't want to be that anymore. I think I want to work in magazines. And my parents were, you know, very, very supportive of that. And I thought I'll just try and get work experience knock on doors and I knocked on the door of Vogue and got work experience and then two weeks later their girl Friday left and I'd been making teas and coffees and and was Johnny on the spot or Jenny on the spot and um, I got the job so that was sort of a dream start it was incredibly hard work for incredibly no pay part of the prerequisite was that you lived at home uh, because you earned less than your age true story uh, but I would have done I was would have done anything I would have retiled the roof I felt within instant an instant that that was exactly where I wanted to be that I'd found my tribe that I'd found my purpose and I never looked back I did university at night time after that a business degree and I just kept working so uh, you know Vogue was my start I then moved to ACP I was working at Mode which is now Harper's Bazaar and then you know Lisa Wilkinson took a real punt on me and I mean I was when I say as green as grass if there's something greener than that (laughs) that was me I was probably Kermit the Frog but she saw something thank goodness and you know I became the beauty editor of Clio and then you know how many years later I guess seven years later I was editing it or maybe six years later I was editing it so how lucky am I and how would you describe those days working we know obviously the magazine industry has changed drastically now and so sometimes we kind of refer to those times as the golden years did you feel like they were oh no they were definitely the halcyon years for sure um, it was a it was a robust robust market. It, Australia was a massive consumer of of magazines, so there was a lot of pressure on you to get big sales, and there was real pressure. You know, if you've seen Paper Giants or you've you've seen, they are accurate. And when we used to get our sales figures, you know, Clio was selling quarter of a million copies selling a quarter of a million copies if I didn't see a two at the beginning of the sales figure I I really thought I'm going to lose my job so there was real pressure editors used to run 
the business, really run the whole business, which was fantastic training and wonderful as a woman in business to be afforded that opportunity and to be afforded that training. We had um, creativity. I mean, I always worked on wholly Australian-owned brands, so I didn't get to lift anything. I didn't. There wasn't, wasn't other material from internationals that I could repurpose. So my teams worked really, really hard to create every picture and every sentence and every full stop. But the flip side of that is, you know, extraordinary creativity. I mean, with Shop Two Drop and Madison, they were blank pages. I, I think I'm the only editor that that actually got to make two magazines from scratch. I mean, it's such a privilege. It was. It, I mean, yes, they were golden years for sure. And talk to me about that because you launched not one but two magazines, building them from scratch, which I imagine, as you said, is a unique opportunity and thrill. Tell me about the that process of launching and not not just launching a magazine but a brand well I think they were two very converse very different experiences shop I launched uh it was originally launched as a one shot and I was editing Clio at the time and we literally launched it in a cupboard in a, a fashion cupboard we had put a desk in there and I used my art director and my fashion editor from the Clio team and myself. I mean, I always have done my, – my big thing with any business you do is you need to know how to do all of it. You need to spend time on every desk because if everyone got sick – I mean, look look at corona. If everyone goes home and the magazine's got to get out, you need to know how to send it. And I, I knew how to do that. So I never, ever – ever didn't you know never minded working hard myself I still don't I still love it it keeps you close to the creative process so literally we were all moonlighting starting another magazine we did it on a shoestring I paid everybody with Tiffany pens that is a true (laughs) story and uh, then it did so well it became four it became six and then it became 12 and and then it was you know then it was a real then it was a real magazine and you know it had beautiful editors Kerry McCallum Justine Cullen who just both of them did fantastic things with it was a great brand I, I think Australian women miss shop and then Madison was completely different because Madison was very 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 planned uh, there was a huge team there was you know research there was purpose but my my big memory of, of doing Madison was that I removed everything from the office when we were launching it. I said, I don't want any referential images. I don't want any referential magazines. I don't want anything from the competition. I want to surround the office in other stuff. Art, books, music, lyrics, fonts, fabric. I want to have different visual stimuli so that we all of us because you are only as good as your all as your team all of us can can really this is such a unique opportunity in time and life let's make this from nothing let's make this from somewhere else so that was very different to being in the cupboard doing shop not that that wasn't original but we actually had the space and the moment and the time and the planning to do something like that and it was one of the greatest experiences I think for for all of us to, um, to have made that magazine. I also think Australian Women Miss Madison. Obviously, those are two different approaches. Which do you think stimulated the most creative outcome? Because I know obviously there's sometimes when you are doing it on a very tight budget with limited resources can kind of 
spring out something brilliant as well. I think that oddly the magazines that came out of the two are the result of where they sprung from because shop was shoes and lipstick and frenetic and little and bits and lots and consume, consume and more, more, more. And Madison was more luxurious and did what magazines still do. Magazines still do images and, and that feeling of paper and ink, of the intimacy of paper and ink, which to me is magazines magic images and just the feeling of paper and ink. Um, Madison absolutely felt that. It felt so magaziney and felt so lush in its visuals. I think that oddly, the way that they were launched probably produced the magazines they were. That's a good question. And when you look back at the chapter of your career spent in magazines, what is the one thing that you're most proud of? And, and that can be uh, as kind of not broad, but launching a magazine, but even like a specific cover or decision that kind of shaped things, what stands out to you? That's easy. That's the people I worked with, my teams. I, you know, I, I made some amazing friends. Um, you know, people, people like Mia Friedman, who we share godchildren, uh, well, one of each, and uh, Lisa, Lisa, Deborah Thomas, Pat Ingram. I had unreal mentors. That was so lucky. And my team, I kept people with me for years and years, 10 years. I worked with some of the most creative, funny, hilarious, hardworking people, produced great editors, Kerry McCallum, Justine Cullen, Lizzie Renkert, Beck Karate. Like there's just countless fantastic people. And that, that, that uh, company and that time just allowed that. So it was for me, it's the people. And it's amazing as well when you talk about some of the names that you mentioned there. I kind of almost think of them as seeds, how they've all gone to do their own thing and amazing things and keep on building the industry again. And likewise, doing the same for other people below them that you did for them as well. Yeah, I mean, we were we were we were mentored, and and um, you know, really, I've always tried to do that. I'm, women have to help women. I always said there were never any 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 bitches on my team there's no room for witches on brooms but there are a lot of broomsticks in that industry so I I I don't know I think that um we've all stayed friends we've all stayed connected we've all helped each other I'd like to think like to think there was more of that The fourth product on your list is the one that gives you your signature look, which for you is a potion of highlighter and tinted moisturiser. Tell me a bit more about that. It is a secret, which I'm going to divulge. No, it's (laughs) all right. I get asked it all the time. It's actually really basic. It's Actinica sunscreen, two pumps, which is liposomal, and it's got a really fantastic texture to it. It's quite a tacky texture. And then it is J-Bronze illuminator her illuminator from her j bronze range which really you can use on your legs one pump mixed together face that's what i have on now it looks glowing and is that your that's that would be your daily face product as opposed to a foundation yeah that's what goes on um that's what goes on every single day and also at night uh, literally you should see how much of the j bronze and <laughs> how many through. tubes are you so going much. through yeah <laughs> so much We've seen a real shift in the last decade or so um, from the power that magazines did and still hold to some extent, but has kind of transferred to social media as well. Obviously, that's a great thing. It's opened up so many doors to people, but 
I think there are also some negative aspects to that I know you um working in it so you're immersed in it fully and you can compare the two and I know you also have two daughters as well who have grown up with social media as the generation is do you have any concerns about that power shift at all uh yes I mean of, of course it was very very difficult for me personally to become a brand I still really struggle even saying that in a sentence I it's just it's, I was corporate for so many years and stood behind a brand for so many years. It, that's probably my truly happy space. But, you know, social media also has its wonders and its powers. It, I think the thing is, and I think the shift that you're talking about is is that it, it's become everyone is a, is a publisher. So there's a lot of self-publishing and with that misinformation because obviously journalists are professionals when they're putting out magazines, newspapers, they have a they have a a, a, um, a responsibility to the community to report accurately, and um, unless they're in America, um, but that you know that it's a it's a profession versus someone in their living room. Uh, I think the pressures that social media that you hear about they're real, mainly because it's twenty four seven and it's on something that's in your hand. Uh, I think there are really great messages on social media and I think there's really bad messages, but I think that that's everywhere in communication. I think that the authenticity word that gets bandied about a lot is when you see it on social media, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I truly, truly really don't give many, you know what. You um, can swear on this podcast if can you I, like. I really <laughs> give zero fucks and I try to say that to my kids. I always say... No one is looking at you. People care about themselves. People really are so interested in themselves. They are not looking at you walking down the street. They are not looking at your outfit. They are not looking at your hair. They are not. They're thinking about their own. And uh, if you've watched any of my social media, you would know that that is how I live my life. So that has helped. Um, That has helped on social media. But I love you know I love aspiration I love inspiration I do believe it's the journalist in me it's my duty when people show up and turn up I've got to educate them I've got to make them laugh they've got to um, feel good about themselves or feel good about laughing at me or buy something so I do believe that it's not enough to just sort of sit there and bang on in you know with no makeup on I think you have to give them more than that if they're going to take the time to show up so I've tried to straddle both I've tried to take learnings from traditional media and my new understandings of new media and put them together. And as I I mentioned to you, that's one of the things I love following you. You come back from doing a run, whatever, and then you'll post videos of yourself dancing to Taylor Swift very often. And even the other day, I think you were at the hairdressers and you were filming yourself walking down the street with the the cap on because you wanted to get a sandwich. I mean, like those, when we can get caught up in the... um, the perfectionism of social media those snapshots are so important to see I think and it's just real I mean that is what happened and I just I you've got to not be afraid to show all the bits you know I love pretty I love I love pretty I do I love houses looking gorgeous I love I love pretty things but you know my life is a shit show a lot of the time I am juggling plates and they're spinning and crashing it would be remiss of me to not let people know that. Uh, that would be false and I don't want to live false. False. 
The fifth products on your list are the perfumes that have special memories for you. And listening to your great chat on your beauty, I know that this must have been hard for you because you love fragrance. So you've narrowed it down to three, which I was very impressed with, which is Joy that reminds you of your grandma, Chanel Number no. 5, which reminds you of your mum and Marilyn Monroe, and then Lulu by Cacherel, which I think was your first fragrance and also has another special meaning for you. So I'll let you tell me about your memories with those three. So Joy is was my grandmother's, my late grandmother's first name, and she died when I was very young. My mum lost her at 50, my her, her mother was 50 and she died of breast cancer and I had really only just been born and, you know, there's obviously a, a special place in losing your mother and having your first daughter and and then life goes on and then I meet this man called Saxon Joy who I ended up marrying and I didn't change my name at the time. I wouldn't have. It was my byline and I'm a feminist and as why would I change my name? And then I truly, I had a dream and, and my grandmother came to me and she said, you just, what do you not doing changing your name? Like, it's my name and you, have you not put it together? I've been waiting for you to put together the kismet. And I woke up and I changed my name. And uh, it was her perfume and she gave it to my mother and uh, my mother gave it to me and I am now a joy. And it's one of the classics uh, and I highly recommend if you have not smelt it and not tried it that you do because it is joyous. Now Chanel number five, I refuse to say it's a cliche, it is an icon. I had a massive poster of Marilyn Monroe in my room, the one of her leaning over with, with the number five at her neck and I love old Hollywood and I love all those old images and pictures and my room when I was growing up was actually filled with with that, with Breakfast at Tiffany and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and, and, and all of that. I love old cinema. So that was a favourite fragrance and it was the fragrance that my dad gave my mum, always gave my mum. So it was the one I also would steal <laughs> <laughs> from her. And then the first fragrance my dad bought me was Lulu by Cacherelle, which is also an insanely divine fragrance with that azure blue bottle with the red strip and actually when you ask me this question I'm like why don't I have that I need that back in my life uh it is l-o-u-l-o-u uh but I love the name Lulu and my second daughter is indeed Lulu but she's a proper Lulu she's a French Lulu in l-u-l-u so yeah and when it comes to your fragrance collection I know it is quite Fast. So obviously the, you talked through the perfumes that have those memories for you. Are you the kind of person that subscribes to a signature scent or what are you currently wearing or enjoying? Oh no, I just floozy around town all the time with all makeup. I'm really loose. Uh, at the moment I am wearing Armani C the rose one, which is just I'm getting so many compliments on. You always know. You know, you know when a fragrance is great, when people really are noticing it. Also, I think it's amazing how you stop smelling your fragrance because uh, smell is, a, is, is for danger. So you, once you, when you wear a fragrance, if you ever notice this, you wear a fragrance and then you can smell it and then it disappears and that's because your nose is telling you that it's safe. That's a safe smell. So I like to switch it up. Every time it gets safe, I like to move on because I like to smell my fragrance. So you can enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah, I like, I like to actually smell it. 
we kind of touched on it before, but obviously going from magazines to going out on your own and growing your own personal brand as Paula Joy. Tell me about the decision to leave mags and go on your own and digital and the early days of building it up. So I left magazines just because I knew it was going to happen. I could just see that that they were going to get smaller and there was going to be attrition and, and um, that the, the, the industry was going to change. I'd also, I'd also done a lot, you know. I'm a creative. I didn't have aspiration to work in uh, on the on the publishing or executive side I am a creator so I I wanted to keep learning and keep working creatively and I could see that if I didn't learn digital that wouldn't happen so I really I left to learn digital Um, a lot of that was made really easy by moving to Fairfax and and working on the papers both in print but on you know the on their digital platforms that taught me a lot and I did what I always do uh, which was just make something um, and that that's how I learned to you know learn digital was making a website building a website I learned how to code the nerd came out again um, and I say now that and this is how many years in, I guess, I guess 10 years in, I now know what I don't know. And that is a really good place to be because digital is just changes every single second of every single day. But I now have a foundation of what what I don't know and understanding that and, and that's good. But there's no easy way to start a business or make a change or a huge shift. It's all just like... A unicorn vomiting a rainbow <laughs> it's just I mean there are good days and there are really 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 bad days and huge anxiety and I walked away from you know like a crazy good job um, a crazy good job and it, it was in in the beginning you're like you're an idiot and that was a crazy good job and then the minute comes in and it's things like oh I miss the people I miss talking about Surrey Cruise at the water cooler who can I talk talk about Surrey with but um, you know I'm very glad I did it because I am now a citizen of 2020 you know I will never be native like I like my kids but you know I am I am a digital citizen and I think that to stay relevant, to stay working, to keep your mind going, um, it was essential. And when you look at the role that you've created for yourself now compared to some of those top roles in the corporate world, what is it that you love most about it? Are you the kind of person that enjoys only answering to yourself now rather than always having someone above you to (sighs) answer to? Well, no, because sometimes sometimes it's better to talk to someone other than than yourself. Self, what do you think about that? Um, and look, I have a lot of clients and I do a lot of, I, I, that has been, I think it would be awful if I was just producing for passion, but because I am actually producing as a business, I do have accountability and I do have clients. Um, I have a great, incredible agent and a very supportive agency, um, that do training and workshops and are, are there for, are there for, um, me uh, in many ways so you know that's that's also good but you know the freedom definitely um to a be creative and b the the re one of the reasons that i did leave and i neglected to say this earlier is is when my kids were young 
it was simpler to be at work in a more structured nine to five, nine to seven, nine to nine environment because children when they're little it's a real goat track it's this is what's happening we're having for breakfast this is where and I had a wonderful nanny for 13 years the same she's part of our family but I always worried about when they became teenagers and the world got their hands on them I really was hopeful that I would have gotten to a place where I would be able to be available to them in the afternoons if they needed me because anybody with kids knows that they don't answer when you say how was your day uh, you have to be there and be around for it to open up. So that was also a goal for me and I'm so grateful for the business that I've created to be able to have the flexibility to not miss and not miss a drama performance or, or be able to be there for them. Um, that's been a really great thing. The sixth category of products on your list are the ones that you always repurchase and there are a few favourites here and I always think this is really interesting because obviously working in beauty you have access to so many beauty products so the ones that you signify as the ones that you will always go out and restock says a lot. So I'll read them out and then you can tell me a bit more about the ones. So we've got the Armani Luminous Silk Foundation. Absolute killer, like that is just... Uh, the, I mean, that, the, the texture of that foundation and the fact that you can buy, I always say buy three bottles. Oh. Yeah, buy three bottles and custom because they, they blend together so well. So I have three shades, um, winter skin, summer skin and J-Lo nighttime <laughs> and J-Lo nighttime. And I'll often put little bits of each of them in there because I use foundation to warm me up rather than bronzer generally. So um, it's just it, it's just it's expensive, but it is it's really gold. It's just gold standard. Elizabeth Arden eight hour cream, bit of a classic there. But the best, the best. You can use it on anything. Eyebrows, really genius. If you want to create a creamy eyeshadow, get your eyeshadow, mix it with eight hour cream, wash it over your lids. It's a beautiful wash. Same same with blush. You want to, it's like you can you can transform your face with eight hour cream cuticles elbows knees it also is just an absolutely killer lip gloss a big whack of that it's like a really really good lip gloss you know it's it's unreal the nude sticks bronzer in bondi bay yes lock B-A-A? that B- bae bae <laughs> as in a beyonce bay yes lock that down very clever. I mean, that's an emerging brand that I don't even think it's five years old. Beautiful story, that brand. Mother came out of, um, you know, a big, big um, cosmetic company, created the product. The two sisters sit um, with their mother in making it and their sticks, which means they're really easy to carry around. This is the perfect cream bronzer. Perfect. Suits everybody. What I love about it is the texture is waxy and sheer and then at the end of it, there is a blunt buffer brush. So you can just buff, 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 buff it into the skin. Also works on the eyelids. Also works as a lipstick. There's a multi-purpose theme recurring here. I love that. Everything's got to be. It's yeah. got to be multi-purpose. Not interested if it does one thing. <laughs> the Marc Jacobs mascara. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, all Marc Jacobs products are just so lovely and luxe and beautiful. But his, um, the mascara is inky the brush really loads it doesn't dry out quickly because I mean I think you can get really inexpensive mascaras that do a great job I'm still a great lash Maybelline great lash fan uh, and I think it, you should have you should have a like a suite of disposable less expensive mascaras but for 
just really fantastic lashes and I've got no lashes. My lashes are sad and little, but they can really be they can really be fixed with mascara and Mr. Jacobs does a good one. And then we've got the Charlotte Tilbury two products from Charlotte Tilbury, the Rose Gold Metallic Eye Cream and the Beach Sticks. I love the Beach Sticks. Oh, well the Beach Sticks are the cousin of the nude sticks, but shimmery and rock and roll and all purpose again I mean you could do your whole face in just using the beach sticks um, and they are a different texture to the nude sticks they are they are more glittery they are more shimmery her browns have got a really good orange to them which I think you know is very universally flattering and the rose gold metallic eyeshadow is just I mean try it and you will never look back it suits everyone and you can just put it as a wash or you can really load the lid and and just oh it's beautiful you've been working with creating content and talking to women for a few decades now what is kind of the the biggest takeaway from that that really like drills down into what just what women are after when it comes to I suppose content or, or fashion and beauty in particular Yes, I have been speaking to women my whole life. How lucky am I? That's one of my favourite parts of my job and particularly digital is real-time conversation with women. A privilege uh, and my audience are just amazing. They're so positive and they're so engaged. It's, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. Women want the truth. Women want to have time saved Women want to be told where they can uh, save money and where they should splurge. Women want to be entertained. Women want to be inspired to try something different. They want to aspire to do something different. And they are two different things. Inspiration and aspiration are the single most important thing to understand in content because they're very different and they speak powerfully in different ways. They're emotional, they're emotional reactions and it's very important to give women both and to know where to lay aspiration and where to lay inspiration because if you get it wrong, they will walk away. Uh, women want to laugh, women want to cry, women want to feel safe, women want to feel like they have a community and women want to be anonymous when they want to be anonymous. They don't want to have to be held up with a clear glide on them. We are amazing creatures. We are. I've been really enjoying your fashion videos that you share and have been sharing. And one thing that I thought was really interesting that in the first thing in your Instagram bio is this uh, idea that style can be taught. So I wanted to know your thoughts on, I suppose for so long, fashion has kind of been defined by rules, things that you can and can't do and and where you stand on, on that and that approach to fashion. Uh, there are some rules that, uh, like leggings are not pants. <laughs> they're fine. They're great, but not pants. I mean, there are some, but no rules. You make your own rules. But for me, with style, it's a couple of a couple of things that I really uh, suggest. And whenever I work with somebody personally, or or if it's a celebrity or whatever it is, I always think you need to have two muses. One retro muse and one current muse. 
and then just create Pinterest boards of those two people and then start looking at, you'll find that the reason that you've been drawn to them and the things that they wear is because those things are already sitting in your wardrobe, some of those pieces. And then you'll start being able to see, okay, well, I love that and I love the way that she does this, but I'm missing a trench coat. Or I love that, oh, I notice that she always wears a blazer with a t-shirt, with jeans, with a flat shoe, oh, I don't have that, or I need to change this or that. So it's about working out everybody needs to look at things to work out what they want unless you're like a fashion yoda you everybody needs to look at things so i might find a couple of muses and then just study them study them like a language study them like you would study anything Uh, and the other one is is you've got to just be really really honest about your body you actually have to have a really honest conversation with yourself in the mirror and go okay i have got like unreal boobs and I want to show them off or I need to you need to know how to dress your body it's got nothing to do with size and everything to do with shape it it, I can't stand I mean you know I've had years where I've just cut the uh, size off all my clothes because I just think it can be such a terrible thing for your head it doesn't matter the size you are it really matters how you know your shape and then learning how to dress your shape that's the single best thing you can do. That's the only rule. Be be honest and, and work out what suits your body and then have fun. And would you share what your current and historic views are when it comes to your style? Sure, yes. You know, my, my current muse is now also sadly, and she's, because she's passed. So I love Carolyn Bissett Kennedy, uh, who I would still say is a modern muse. I just... Yeah, she's she was so incredible in her minimalistic style. Um, and then Jackie Kennedy, actually two Kennedys. Keeping in the family, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Gwyneth, I love Gwyneth. Yeah, I love Gwyneth too. Yeah, a few great options there. When we talk about beauty, and I suppose particularly the approach to beauty from brands as well, there's been another hopefully significant shift in the way that we talk about aging, even in the language that we're using, obviously. Uh, this concept of anti-aging is shifting to become something a bit more positive and an excitement towards an embracing of getting older. What are your thoughts on on that and your own feelings about it? About getting older? About beauty, the way we approach aging in the conversations of beauty. Uh, I mean, look, it's a massive market because women are getting older. So (laughs) uh, I'd like it to be talked to more directly. I, I would say that that's been one of the absolute sticky points and of my business is my age. Uh, it's actually works in my favor that I am the you know that I'm I am the age I am because there's not many of me in the in that space in that digital space in that influencer space that are my age it tends to be a, you know a bit of a younger domain. Uh, I think that the more sort of actual older women that are in um, advertisements or communication about aging the better I think they tend to sort of make it Helen Mirren and Jane Fonda and there's sort of this nowhere area between JLo and Hillary Clinton and it's like there needs to be more there needs to be more people between <laughs> the ages of 50 and 70 that are out there it's sort of this weird space where you're either you're either JLo at 50 or, you know, you're Jane Fonda at 70 and I think that there's room for improvement in, um, in, in, the, in the decades between, between the two. That's such an important blind spot that I, I'm ashamed to admit I hadn't thought about that exactly it's 
still the ends of the spectrum. The bulk of people are still being missed out, which is which is not what we want. No. The seventh product on your list is your kind of greatest discovery or holy grail, which you said was too difficult to choose. It's too difficult to choose. And I thought of one as I was driving here as well, which is um, the Clinique Take It Off Balm. Have you used that? I haven't actually. Oh, I mean, it is it is a makeup remover, but it's like a sticky balm. It almost looks like a hair gel. And I mean, it is just a miracle. It's fantastic. Couldn't recommend it more. Equally, Face Halo, another remover. That is a genius product. But I think the one that I um, spoke to you about was the Alpha Liquid Gold Perfection Mask, which I got as a sample recently. I I love getting a sample at a counter. It's so exciting. Um, And I took it away to to travel with. And I I was like, oh, I need a mask. I'll do it. And it was like surgery. I was bleh. And then I was J-Lo. It is... I've, I don't know what is in it, but I have ordered big size and it is just unreal. I think masks are pretty fabulous. I think masks are quite transformatory in general. There's also another really good one from Arcona, which is called Black Ice Magic. That is just, that is a predate mask. That's the chart that it's like charcoal, isn't it? Yeah, like- it's, it's called Black Black magic ice or black ice magic. It's not a ch- it isn't charcoal. Oh, it isn't charcoal. Maybe I'm no, thinking of a different. It goes it's it, it goes on sort of um, hot and then dries cold and you look you look yeah. It's anything that is makeup as surgery, I'm all for. I think that's really interesting as well because I know you've obviously shared like facials and going for kind of um, skin treatments mm-hmm. and there's always that kind of conflict between can a product really give you as effective um, results and treatment as a proper treatment kind of thing. So just to, to hear you compare the Alpha H1 to a facelift, it's like, ooh, my like intrigue has gone up. Yeah, no, it's really, really good. I mean, I also like LED light treatments. That also I can't live without. I am, I am the choir. I am, I wrote the book on that. I swear by them. We, you've mentioned some of the mentors that you've had in your career. Who is someone or a group of people who you feel has really shaped you outside of your career? My sisters, uh, my mother and my girlfriends um, and my husband, you know, and absolutely my husband. He is my, nothing is real if I haven't told him. So, you know, he's, he's top, tops the list, but, you know, I have beautiful sisters, have a great relationship with my mother, my mother's-in-law too. I just have, I've got really great women around me. And then my girlfriends, there's not a massive bunch of them. I am not, I have got a small group of friends and, you know, they all have a different role in my life and I'm so grateful for them. What would an ideal Sunday look like to you? Well, I'm a Gemini, you see. So there's not one, there's two. One would be doing absolutely, you know, nothing, a new Netflix series cooking eating it would have to be raining though for that to work for me it couldn't be a sunny day and then there is the other one that has had you know a a run and then walked the dog and then gone and just bought fresh produce and made a passata from scratch and redecorated the house and went on a lovely like 
went and had something nice to eat and read a book and, you know, overachieved like a crazy person. Yeah, I'm black or white. There's no grey. Well, thankfully, weekends are two days, so hopefully you can... One each. Do one each. Do both of them most of the time. We are coming to the end, so I have one more question before I ask you to narrow down your products even further, but we'll get there. When it comes to the advice or or motto that you live by, and that can be for work, for personal or all-encompassing, what's the thing that you always come back to? That's hard also. I really believe in bumper sticker wisdom. I do. Uh, I am look at the bumper sticker and do whatever it says. (laughs) Dance in the rain, magic happens. I mean, there's some wisdom to be found on there. But I think... I think what I said earlier is no one's looking at you. Worry about yourself, definitely. And the other one that I keep coming back to is use your good things. Don't leave it in a drawer. Don't leave it in a closet. Don't leave it in a makeup bag. Use your good things. We are here for not a long time. And, you know, it's it's discipline to enjoy it and stay present. So, like you know probably that those things you've talked us through some of the important products that you use and that carry special memories for you now as I'm sending you off to Beauty Island and if I say you can only take one with you but you can throw practicality out the window it's just what you want to keep you company there for the memories that it holds for you or you can be practical if that's your if that's who you are Um, and I'm giving you sunscreen so you're very well protected on this desert island which one are you taking with I'm going to have to take eight hour cream, Elizabeth Island eight hour cream. It does, I'm not, I can't have dry lips on that island or feet or, no. It's the most, it's the most multi-purpose. I cannot deny that. And she was one of the suffragettes. So, you know, it's a, it's it's a woman to woman we're going. (laughs) Great choice. Paula, thank you so much for talking me through your beauty journey today. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me, Brittany. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Island with the brilliant Paula Joy. You can find where to follow her and all the products she spoke about in today's episode in the show notes. If you fancy chatting more beauty, you can find me on Instagram at Beauty Island Podcast or my personal beauty account at Brittany Beauty BTS, where I regularly share products I'm loving and talk about all aspects of beauty culture and surviving ISO working from home or you can sign up to my regular beauty newsletter called it's a beauty for thoughts and recommendations straight to your inbox as always the notes for all of these are in the show notes thank you and until next time bye bye